broadcasting glorious purpose across the interdimensional airwaves. This is Bo, aka Loki Variant HTJM84. And Lorraine, aka Loki Variant RVJM91. And you are tuned into the most mischievous show in the multiverse, or should I say Loki-verse, where we are talking all things Loki. Today we are down to the final episode. That's right, season two has come to a close with the most epic season finale of all Disney Plus shows and probably, possibly one of the greatest pieces of storytelling in the entire MCU canon to date. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that. I'm going to put it up on that pedestal because we got something fantastic in this series, in this finale. You love it to see when these shows that when these shows and these stories stick the landing. And my, oh my, have they stuck the landing in such a major way. We're going to talk about all of that, but thank you all so much for joining us. Lorraine, how are you doing today? I'm, I'm great. You know, I'm still feeling sad, but uh, you know, maybe by the end of this, episode i will just be so thrilled you need to be glad don't be sad be glad we've got i get it i get it like there is kind of a, a bittersweetness a to whenever anything comes to a close but much like any good ragnarok it's not just about the inning ending it's about the rebirth and the beginning of something new yes reincarnation yeah reincarnation baby all right <laughs> we're gonna get into all of it Starting, of course, with the episode title and more. Are you ready, Lorraine? I'm ready. Let's do it. Let's get into the rune down. Episode six of season two, Glorious Purpose. Directed by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead and story by Eric Martin. Lorraine, what happened this episode? Loki time slips to the moment before the temporal loom's destruction. Despite his attempts, the loom always fails as it cannot accommodate the infinite branches. Loki slips to the moment before Sylvie kills He Who Remains, who tells Loki that the loom is a failsafe. Overloading, it protects the sacred timeline by deleting the branches along with the TVA. He Who Remains suggests Loki kill Sylvie to save the loom, which Loki rejects. After speaking with Mobius and Sylvie at different moments in time, Loki returns to assume Timely's role and destroys the loom. Loki magically revives the dying timelines and rearranges them into a tree-like structure, committing himself to oversee the branches in solitude at the end of time. The TVA now tracks variants of He Who Remains, with Mobius reporting one of them has been stopped at Earth's 616's adjacent realm. The TVA also prunes Renslayer in 1863, preventing Timely from receiving the handbook. Ouroboros reactivates a now-friendly Miss Minutes and writes a second edition of the TVA guidebook that credits Timely as a co-author. B-15 becomes one of the TVA's leaders. Mobius retires from the TVA. He and Sylvie observe his sacred timeline counterpart. Dun, dun, dun. Dun? I don't know. This is interesting because it says Moby retires from the TVA and it certainly seemed like that's what he was going to do, but I'm kind of curious as to whether or not that's actually what he's going to do for a number of reasons. Yeah. Not the least of which is like, he's got nowhere to go. You know what I mean? Like, I have a feeling he'll mm -hmm. be back. We'll see. I mean, his like his his person is going to die on the timeline. So then what is that's true? I mean, he could do? pop up and say like, you know, hey, I'm your long lost. Hey, I'm your long lost twin. Isn't that wild? Like, wow. You well, know, that's could, true. And they could really sell jet skis together. He does have and two live out jet a lifelong dream. Exactly. In the garage. He'll be like, hey, I know your wife's gone. Um, you got, got some extra space in the house. <laughs> Let's go out on the lake. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, no, that that'd be uh that maybe that's what you know, everybody was kind of speculating the symbolism of the two jet skis. And like it's mm. like, oh, you know, I think even you said Loki and Mobius are gonna ride off on those two jet skis together. Maybe it was Mobius and Mobius that were gonna ride off on those two jet skis together. I like that. There is kind and of I mean, like an overall message of like loving yourself and kind of coming to terms with who you are in all of this, right? So mm -hmm. there, that could be that that could have been the symbolism of the jet skis all along. Maybe his two boys are twins, so he can be like, "Oh yeah, twins running the family." <laughs> you didn't know. I think he's coming back. I you know this is great that we're starting off with Mobius. Like let's let's definitely do that because of course Mobius at the end of this there is kind of that that sense of you can't go home, right? Because in the end. 
everything has been building up to this question of like, don't you want to know who you were on the sacred timeline? And then Loki pulling him out of that. Like I can return you to this exact moment. Your boys are going to be fine. But then ultimately when it's all said and done, he can't go back home. Like, you know, he's, he's given up his life and now knows why he's given up his life, not just to protect his boys, but so that he himself, or at least a variant of himself can be there to support his children along the sacred timeline. It's tragic and beautiful and kind of it's it's that painfully beautiful nature of the moment as he gets to see like oh this is why it was worth it i'm protecting this but i can also never have this right like yeah. this this pain it reminded me a little bit a little bit of severance have you seen severance oh yeah big severance fan so it reminded me of the scene from severance where the dude goes down into like the hr room and the lady is telling him about his, oh gosh, what are they called? Any. Any. That's right. Oh, no, you're Audi, right? Because you're the Any. Yeah, you're Audi. Mm-hmm. That's right. So she's telling him about the Audi and saying, like, your Audi loves this. Your Audi is liked by all. Like all of these different things to try to reaffirm the Any of, like, hey, what you're doing is worth it because of that. There was a very severance vibe that I got from that whole experience. Mm, interesting. It's like, his any is him at the TVA and his Audi is the one that gets to be with his boys selling jet skis. Exactly. I mean, the and he kept it here. severed. He kept it severed. Cause he was like, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Cause some people want to know. Some people don't. And uh, now he knows. Now he knows. And he just wants to, she just wants to be there to pass the time. Yeah. So sad. Mobius of course does play a pretty uh, significant role in this as Loki's kind of going along his way and kind of giving deep record, you know, reconciling with the notion of why do good things happen or why do bad things happen to good people? And like, how do you live with yourself when you have to make the tough cause of, you know, destroying something in order to preserve something better? That's, that's really kind of the, the big question throughout all of this. I mean, there's a lot of big questions throughout all of this, but as Loki's kind of going on that journey to step from like little G godhood to big G godhood, like he's, he's, trying to wrestle with the right way to do it. And Mobius has been to some extent, aside from the fact that they've been kind of this, you know, this bromance between the two, kind of a brotherhood between the two. There's also kind of a, a like they both exist in these elements of morally gray and Mobius has been kind of that lighter, like morally gray to Loki's darker morally gray. And so we'd never see somebody like Loki, a villain, mind you, Loki like leaning on a purely righteous individual to figure out what he should do. It would never work for him. He could never get on board with that, but he's not fully evil either. And so he's not necessarily like that, you know, when, when presented with the evil option, that's not going to work for him, for him, for him as well. So he has to operate in these shades of gray and who better to help guide him in that way than Mobius along with, you know, the rest of the characters as well. Mm, indeed why he decided to go speak to Mobius about this particular moral conundrum. And it's nice. They go to that specific moment in time. Right. So let's, you know, I I feel like we jumped to Mobius, but we really should be talking about Loki because this entire episode was very much the through line is Loki on that journey. Uh, We see, you know, at the beginning, we've got a groundhog day situation going on where he's reliving moments over and over again. Like, like I was actually wondering, like, I was like, he's going to let all of this play out. It's just, it's just happening again. Why is this happening again? And you see it's because he needs somebody to tell him what he needs to do. It's like, like, okay, everything's about to die. This is all terrible. Obi, what can we have done differently? (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what I need to know for my next steps. And, you know, with Obi being kind of the, the super Omega genius that he is, uh, you know, he, he gets the notes, he keeps going back. He says, you know, we took too long. And I love this because throughout this entire season, it has felt like these guys have been dragging their feet with this whole problem. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I remember very early on in the season, I kind of felt like, oh, I feel like y'all could lickety split this much quicker if you weren't eating pie and like standing around and like talking about it. Like if you're just doing it. And so to see Loki, like, experience the failure and then go back and try to rush through the season is actually Um, very cathartic. (laughs) It's like, you don't need a second coat of paint on that uh, model. It's perfect. Right. Right. And we see this happen over and over again, obviously uh, throughout this groundhog day scenario, uh, uh, he who remains and Victor timely, both get torn apart and eradicated 
several times over. Now there's two elements of this. One is, you know, there's a lot of kind of growing commentary of the concept of Kang being this massive threat. And yet we've seen him die so many times, so many times now. So does he still represent that extreme threat? I would argue yes. But then there's the other cathartic nature of this, which is you got to wonder if like Disney, after all the frustration with the Jonathan Majors controversy, like again, again, (laughs) how many times can we eradicate him from the timeline? (laughs) Like, can we, can we, can we do it again? Can we, uh, let's do another take. Let's do another take. (laughs) I will say when they finally got it to work and the, you know, the, I can't remember the terminology, but the, you know, the timelines were stabilizing and everything. The time I was loop? like, yeah. the, I was like, oh, Victor Timely was just exposed to so much radiation that he's about to become king right here because he's like got all this superpower now. And that didn't, that didn't happen. No, no. Although by the end of this, obviously, Timely is gone. And there's a lot of, there's still a lot that we don't fully know about who this kid is, like who the primordial Kang is, right? Like we're introduced to this young boy in Chicago. He gets a book. That book causes him to become the variant Victor Timely, right? By the end of this episode, he no longer gets the book. So Victor Timely has been eradicated from the timeline. He hasn't been like pruned in the fullest sense, but he, he no longer exists, right? So that's very confusing to me because without timely getting the book and everything, they wouldn't have ended up in the situation where Loki ended up, you know, walking out and taking over at the end and saving everybody. And Victor timely was there when Loki went out there. So what happened? Like if they get rid of Victor timely, then how does it all right? Right. Right. So timely, I think it depends on how they want to deal with this, right? Timely could still very much exist in the TVA. He could actually go on to be a judge in the TVA or something of that nature. But given their, you know, propensity for wanting to handle the king of it all, my guess is, I don't know, they might end up pruning him. You know what I mean? Like he still had those Kang tendencies, as you recall, he was like betraying Renslayer. He doesn't want to share power. There's a, he's not that trustworthy to, to keep around a TVA, especially with, with an entire organization, entire previously fascist organization that exists for the sole purpose of the eradication of everybody that is literally you. He might not want to stick around. He might try to do something later on. He, I, I'm just, you know, whether or not they tell us what ends up happening to, to that timely, the variant timely, who knows, but suffice to say on the sacred timeline, they, pruned Renslayer so that she no longer is able to bring give the book and the book doesn't go to the kid, which means that this variant never, you know, is going to, he's like that timeline that he creates no longer exists, which means that that kid is still there to go on to become multiple variants of Kang. And we don't know what that looks like. At one point during this episode, when Mobius was talking about you know, the story of Renslayer and the kid, and then he saw the kid and he couldn't do it. And then Renslayer did it. The first time I saw that, and I texted you, I texted some other people. I'm like, oh my gosh, because I thought I'd figured something out that I was very wrong about, was that I I thought that maybe that kid was actually Ramatut. Like, because, so he, he mentioned the Black Sea. I'm not very good with geography. I thought I, I got the Black Sea and the Red Sea mixed up. And I thought, oh, okay. Red Sea is right there on on uh, on the coast of Egypt. This is Ramatut. She sees Ramatut's, you know, pyramid and the uh, the void at the end of time. It's like, okay, it's all coming together. This is this is kind of like a a little bit of a an Easter egg for something that's to come. But totally wrong on that. Totally wrong on that. Don't know who that kid is, but the kid was pruned, and the kid was pruned by Renslayer. Renslayer didn't save the kid. It was the other way around. So, yeah. That being said, I mean, at the same time, if it was a potential gang variant, uh, then they're they're both at the void at the end of time together. And it's she a sees 19, that. Yes, good point. Good point, Lorraine. She sees yes, the thank purple you. light at the end. So Rinse, we don't technically know. Speaking, there it is a 19-day walk from Cairo to the Black Sea. 19 days. I mean, it's not ideal, but it's doable, is all I'm trying to point out. Like, you know, maybe the kid walked with his brother for a long time for whatever reason. 
to get to the get to the Black Sea. Maybe I don't know. It's probably not Ramatut, but it'd be cool if it was. We, I mean, do we know the year it was? They could have flown, driven, taken a train. I don't think there were many uh, ancient Egyptian pharaohs that were taking trains or planes. But what if he had already created an invention that got him there faster? Ooh, ooh, okay. He was an inventor, probably. Okay, so that, that could be, that could be. There's also, you know, I don't know. We'll we'll have to end up seeing where it all plays out. If it plays out, obviously, Renslayer, we don't get much of her in this episode except for the tail end. We do get the uh, confirmation that a lot of us were, you know, predicting that she would go to the void and she would see Eliath and perhaps everything would be fine, given the fact that she may, like, the creature might already know her. Whether or not she remembers the creature, we'll find out. But she didn't seem, she seemed a little shocked, but then a little excited. It was kind of what I got gathered from her seeing it. Yeah, I mean, she probably, I guess she doesn't really know what happens to you when you're pruned. So she wakes up and is like, yes, I'm still alive. <laughs> and then like it's like, where am I? What is this glowing light? And we're all thinking, what is this glowing purple light? Glowing red light though, right? I think it was purple. I don't know. I'm not the best with colors. I thought it was red light. Isn't that Elias? That's the beast. That's the creature. I thought it was purple light suggesting that it was maybe a Kang variant. No, no, that's a lot. It, it, I'm probably mispronounced. Is it Elias or Elias? Or? That's, it's Elias. Okay. Yeah. Like that's, I, I guarantee that's what that is. I don't know. <laughs> it's it a could giant be. glowy Kang variant. <laughs> Uh, he could be like, I've been waiting for you. You pruned me. You sent me here. And then they'll have an epic battle. Yeah. To yeah see. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that's right. Um, we'll getting see. back to Loki, though, he like the way in which he has relived everything so many times is so brilliantly done because that can that's a storytelling device that can get old very quickly when you have to see the same thing over and over and over again. And they just like they brought it to that exact moment of perfection so that even as he's going and reliving things, and this is a testament to uh, Tom Hiddleston's acting and his performance in this, like he communicates exhaustion, but excitement, but familiarity all at the same time so that we don't have to watch the scene. We don't even have to watch the same scene three times. Like we get that he's done this a number of times. The way that he's reciting people's words back to them, he's speaking so much faster because he's just trying to get to the end. He's like joking around with it because he's a little stressed out. He's like, I'm coming for you. I'm coming for your job, Casey. You know, it was hilarious and done so well until he gets to that moment of he's holding the microphone. He's like, okay, all of this, the last at this point, centuries, years of, of effort on his part has brought him back to this moment where he has been so many times and even like the don't put it on the ground because if you do it'll roll <laughs> off they didn't have to show us that timeline you know what i mean like we didn't have to experience that we were able to experience it through loki's like controlled frustration exactly. you know what I mean? yes brilliantly done tom hiddleston like nailed it this man actually needs an Emmy for this. I'm sorry. He does like this. He does. The series as a whole, I've actually been, I've, I've thought his performance was a little lackluster. I felt like we were kind of lacking the Loki in Loki throughout the season, but really everything that occurred was very much a buildup to this performance. Everything, the, the groundwork had to be laid. And in this episode, we got everything that I wanted out of this series. And I think, like I said, Hiddleston just brings it. You know, we uh, we had a conversation on a previous episode about who's pulling the strings, who is telling mm. the story, right? And there's this notion of like, okay, well, you know, Loki, by gaining control of his time slipping, he now becomes the one that can, he's going to write his own story. And my kind of pushback to that is like, yes, that's true. However, the implication is that actually somebody else is actively writing the story right now, which explains his time slipping, even the fact that he's got it. And where does this come from? Well, it must come from he who remains, who even after his death is still telling the story because he planned it all out. And I got to tell you, when Loki went into that room and he's fighting Sylvie and, you know, he, he looks at Kang or, or he who remains and he tells him, he's like, he's like, why don't you ever do anything? And he who remains just kind of grabs the remote and just pauses the movie for a quick second, gives him the whole like, who do you think paved 
this road. I got up out my couch. I was jumping up and down. I was like, I called it. I called it. I was like pointing at the screen. And my wife is just like mildly amused watching me do that. I was like, I called it. I know that more than just me called it. I realize it's time travel. We probably all called it. But I was just so thrilled. And I'm sitting down and I'm looking at it. And it's all going through. And then when they flip it and Loki's like, okay, how many times do you think we've had this conversation? And I was like, I called that too. Yes, congratulations. One of our many, many theories has hey, we got several stabs in the dark, right? Okay, there's there are several. Most all the stabs in the dark that I turned into like little YouTube videos that have done mildly okay, those were all correct. Now, I didn't, not all of them were put into YouTube videos and not all of them were correct, but no, yeah, no, you nailed it. I've been calling this entire series the way that they've layered in and sprinkled in and seasoned like the Norse mythology and references, Mm. but like subtly throughout. And my argument has been it's there if you choose to see it. And some people I've gotten some pushback on that saying like, no, look, that's not it. There's not they're not going to like do like big Norse like stuff like it's it's. It's the TVA, it's sci-fi, it's Marvel. Like, don't, don't look too, you're, you're looking too deeply into it. Am I? No. Am I? You're not. They're definitely doing it. I'm sorry, but we have freaking Loki by the end of this sitting in Yggdrasil. Norse words are weird because they have letters that you don't say, but it's, it's the, it's the freaking world tree. It's literally the imagery that is used to define creation, not just creation, but literally the, the cosmos everything reality itself in norse mythology is yggdrasil the world tree and that is literally what we have like we are now living in the loki verse loki steps from little g god to big g god he creates yggdrasil literally the entire universe and he is sitting here in the center the timelines themselves we've always had that language of branches being pruned he's now taken the timeline and he has forged it and curated it and grown it into a tree, into actual branches that he's able to breathe life into. And it's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. It makes me wonder and really want to go back and like triple down on this thought process and look not just at characters like Ouroboros, who is a clear connection to Yomengander, but I'm, I'm very curious, how do these other characters potentially tie in as subtle nods to characters from Norse mythology, or even just like themes from North, Norse mythology. So anyway, I'm going to spend some time doing that on my own. It probably won't be in a podcast or a video, but I'm very interested in looking into that. I'm very interested as well. I did wonder, like, is someone going to show up as Balder at some point in, in the finale? But well, Not in the finale, but yeah, I mean, uh, eventually I would imagine we, we, will, we will see a Balder. Makes me so happy. It just makes me so happy. Loki, very literary. Uh, we see him quoting T.S. Eliot a uh, little. Uh, we die with the dying sea. They depart and we go with them. We are born with the dead. And he who remains is like, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I just, I just get really sad thinking about Loki sitting there by himself for all time. Always. Always. <laughs> It's so sad. Well, okay, but this and this is the journey that Loki has been on this entire time. Mm-hmm. What is a Loki? Do you think what makes us Lokis? Do you think what makes a Loki a Loki is that they are destined to lose? In order for Loki to win, in order for like he who remains, so to speak, to be conquered, or in, more more accurately, in order for the universe to survive and thrive. Loki must lose. And that is part of this calculus. The, 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 uh, you know, they talk about the, the calculation, the algorithm, whatever it is, like Loki starts to piece it together. He's got all the components in terms of what it's going to take to find a better way. A better way is him losing. He has to Mm -hmm. know what he wants and know what he must do. And they have to be counter to one another it's it's kind of interesting right because there's no really there's not really a villain here when you think about it there's just different ideas yes he who remains represents the concept of taking chaos and turning it into order 
the argument that he makes is, look, you kill me. If I don't exist, we destroy the loom. We let the timelines, everything else go crazy. We're going to have a multiversal war and literally everything's going to die. What I have done is I have taken the chaos and I have turned it into, I've replaced it with order. And by doing so, we eradicate a lot, but we save what we can. And that's not necessarily the mindset of a villain. You know what I mean? That is someone who is trying to preserve, to stop what he sees as a greater threat. Loki comes in and says, actually, what if, and now I say, I say Loki, this is Loki after talking with Mobius and talking to Sylvie and like trying to process what the right thing is. What do I choose? Do I choose order of, of he who remains or do I choose the chaos of Kang? Like, which one is it? And what we see in Loki is a discovery that what if this is not a binary choice? What if this is not one way or the other? But what if it is organized chaos? And what if I step into my role and I'm sorry, I'm not going to, I know a lot of people are like leaning into the God of stories. That's a relatively recent term. Okay. In the comics, that's fine. If you want to go into that. And I realize there's a lot of visuals that are connected with that and that's great, but he's the God of chaos. So what if what we're seeing with this is he is creating organized chaos. He's creating that middle way that living in the gray, but all of this order chaos, the chaos that Sylvie is saying that she, you know, she prefers, even if it's chaos that leads us to our doom, the order that, that he who remains is saying that says, we're going to wipe out everything, but we're going to save what we can. Both of these again are not necessarily the mindsets of villains. They are villains, but they're not necessarily doing this with villainous intent. We eradicate that and we provide a third way. There's no, (laughs) ironically, there is no, there are no villains here. We are all villains here. And by the very definition of that, there are no villains here. Does that make sense? So, yes. <laughs> so he who remains, he's like, yeah, so if we don't do this, no one's going to exist. So he's about self-preservation because he's like, if we don't do this, I'm aware that I will no longer exist. So we're going to keep us alive. Loki is about like preservation, not just of himself, but also of his friends. He wants to see everyone have their story continue. If the TVA goes, maybe Loki will still exist, but he will never see his friends again. So his his driving force is not just, oh, I need to make sure I have a timeline to continue on. I, it's it's us preservation. Right, 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 right. It's like, okay, we it, th- through the sacred timeline, yes, you're fine, I'm fine. Well, but that, that's the reality is actually Loki wouldn't be fine because Loki isn't part of the, he he wouldn't exist either. He'd exist in the TVA. He would exist in the TVA. Right. So what you're saying is that it's, again, it's the order versus chaos and the order of he who remains, the TVA exists and is replaced and is working and thriving. And, you know, that means Loki gets to keep his friends and the sacred timeline goes on, which means they've got something to preserve. Or we go with Sylvie's choice, which is every, everything burns. Like, like we're going to destroy everything. And then something is going to come from uh, after we're all gone. Right? What's going to come after they're all gone? Kang. Lots of Kangs. Mm. All like the TVA is wiped out and the explosion. New new timelines, uh, are, you know, spread out and, you know, massively go, you know, the, the chaos of, of the universe happens. And out of the chaos of the universe comes the Kangs, comes the multiversal war, and everything gets wiped out again. You know, it keeps, and then it goes back when then once that, that occurs, then another he who remains comes into existence and the whole process starts all over again. Sylvie in trying to destroy, to break the wheel is just another cog on that wheel in many respects. I'm just wondering how does the he who remain pop up out of nowhere after all the Kangs destroy everything? Because he who remains is one of those Kangs that participates in the multiversal war. I'm just going to assume the Watcher is a part of this somehow, somehow. I know. I am a little disappointed we didn't get a Watcher. <laughs> that would have been nice. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I thought about it. I was like, you know, Loki, he really is. He's alone now. And it made me think of Doctor Strange uh-huh. and what if and how it's like, well, he's alone, but he's alone because of selfish reasons. And Loki's alone because of selfless reasons. Maybe the Watcher will take pity and be like, hey, do you want a friend? Oh, that'd be nice. That like actually, you know what? Maybe it's like happened. Loki, like the watcher shows up and 
Like maybe it's starting to commentate like, hey, um, I feel like things were really better before you started doing this. Uh, I really enjoyed, you know, that that second uh, or the, the first Iron Man movie and yeah, the, the third Captain America. It's like, uh, and Loki's like, you want to hold this? I tell you what, why don't, why don't you hold this for like five minutes and give me just a quick break? Okay, if you could just hold this for me. Loki season three. Maybe Maybe that's it. Maybe it's the... Maybe Loki, when it's all said and done, sitting in that chair, watching everything transpire and doing his dangdest to hold everything together is Kevin Feige. That's 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 really <laughs> Kevin. Wow. I did think about the fact that, first of all, you know, the concept here is that really Loki season one and season two, that's that is the uh, kickoff to phase four, even though we're kind of at the end of phase four. Like this is the storyline is the beginning of what is the essentially the multiversal saga right and with the various storylines that we have going on and kind of like the rotting of the timelines in my mind now just whenever we get bad movies that was that part of the timeline that was a little rotten before loki was able to breathe life into it in fact loki season two is breathing life into a lot of phase four uh and maybe into the franchise as a whole and maybe we've seen a lot of really rotten timelines here and there i've have not yet seen the Marvels. I'm looking forward to seeing it tonight, but based on the reviews, that might be one of those timelines that needs a little extra oomph, you know? Like- oh, no. So the the 616, the uh, Earth adjacent. Yes, yes. 616, that, Jason around, realm adjacent. Yeah, yeah. Is that uh, Ant-Man? Yeah, so that's Quantumania. So Earth 616 was always kind of in the comic books, what was presumed or kind of assumed and accepted to be the main Marvel universe, like the main, if there's a multiverse, the one that we've been following throughout all of this time or that you're continually following is the 616. And so the MCU kind of took the same principle. And the idea is that basically whatever we're reading or seeing as kind of our central from an audience consuming a story or hearing a story, we're hearing the story of the 616 unless it is specifically called out to be something different, like the Ultimates universe or you know, a lot of what we've seen in like the Spider-Verse and that sort of thing. So all that to say, uh, in fact, in uh, Spider-Verse, what is it? Um, Miles is from like Earth 42 or something like that, if I'm not, not mistaken. That makes sense. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they specifically call it out. And the mindset there is like, this is not the 616. So we're dealing with something different, with kind of an otherworldliness to uh, to whatever we're we're viewing. Earth six one six, we I think first popped up in the MCU in Thor: The Dark World of all places, when um, oh Skarsgård is like kind of lost his mind to or like in his classroom or something like that, and he's drawing up on the board on the whiteboard, and he's drawn this big like. Yggdrasil world tree with 616 in the middle actually now that I think about it it's like what yeah hang on we 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 might need to go back and rewatch Thor the Dark World there might yeah there might be a lot going on there that that needs needs another look um but anyway all that to say yes so the 616 has been the sacred timeline 616 for all intents and purposes is the sacred timeline but he didn't say Earth 616, he said Earth 616 adjacent realm. In my mind, that means the quantum realm that is adjacent to 616, which is, you know, essentially what we got. Nice. Since the quantum realm exists outside of time, that's how the Avengers were able to traverse through uh, through time in order to get to different parts of the timeline. And, you know, it's funny because a lot of us thought that the, you know, the, the TVA existed in the quantum realm. And that we were dealing with, you know, that the Kang that we see in Ant-Man was going to be somehow connected. And that's not it at all. They brushed that to the side real quick, retconned yeah. any kind of idea of like, okay, no, don't worry about it. That's not Kang. I know we'd made a big deal in the trailer and we made a big deal in the movie. And then he got washed real fast. That wasn't, that wasn't the real Kang. Trust us. The real Kang's coming. The real Kang's coming. Just, just, yeah. just hang on. He's, he's going to come. Love- he's going to be fine. I love how they're like, oh yeah, but they took care of it. <laughs> it's it's no big deal. It's, it's no big fine. deal. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't even worry about it. To some extent, maybe that's the mindset behind the new Loki verse. Is it's you know, whereas before it was all connected, now it's all been, you know, scattered. And so maybe it's an invitation of like, hey, just just you know, watch what movies you want. You know, like it was there was a time, you know. 
But now everybody who had time back then to watch all that doesn't have time anymore because we were all, you know, grown up and we've got grown up responsibilities and everything. So, you know, hey, just when you can check it out, don't worry about it. It's all connected. Loki is why it's all connected. So just just know it's connected to Loki and, and have have a good time. Loki. He saved us all. He did. He did. He's the, he saved the multiverse. I tell you what, Mobius in like really drops some hard truths on uh, Loki. I thought were really poignant. He says, you know, there's no comfort just choosing your burden. And I, I, you know, the the journey that Loki goes on, talking to Mobius, and then also talking to Sylvie, where he goes to Sylvie and he says, look, I've seen everything. Like this is all happening. The only way I can stop this is I have to kill you. And when she's like looking at him, I was like, they are not about to make Sylvie like say it's okay or something like that. In X-Men, oh gosh, X-Men Last Stand, I want to say, the third X-Men movie, at the end of it where Jean Grey is losing her mind and she's like destroying everything and Wolverine has to kill her and she looks at him and kind of gives him permission to kill her. That's been widely criticized for a lot of reasons Mm. (laughs) in that, that whole sequence. And I remember as he's going up to her and telling her this situation where he feels like he's caught in this impossible place where he has to kill her in order to save what can be saved, they're not about to pull a Jean Grey and Wolverine here. And thankfully, that is not what they did, because Sylvie's like, "Uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. Not happening. Uh -uh. I legitimately thought that he was going to kill her, though. I thought he was going to go back and kill her. Yeah, I was waiting for it the entire time. In fact, I was actually kind of like, do it, Loki, just do it. Just just do Do it it now. (laughs) It's going to be harder later, because, I mean, she's about to disappear in front of your eyes anyways. Just do it now. Ugh. It was rough. It was rough. And when he was talking to Mobius, I think his inspiration for like when he tells him that Renslayer pruned that little boy, as in like that, that's the only option in the situation. Loki looked at that and was like, that's Renslayer. She is a bad person. Like she acted the way she, you know, felt was the right thing to do, but like that's evil. She, you know, pruned a kid. I'm not going to be that way. I have to think of a third way. That Except, seemed to me like the inspiration for him. Yeah, the, that's the it's the moral quandary of of Hitler and a baby, right? Like if if like mm-hmm. if when, if you go back in time, what would you do with Hitler if you had him as a baby? Mobius kind of having that moral sensor of like, you know what? It's not up to me. It's been calculated. Like if I get let my emotions get in the way of it, it keeps me from doing what I need to do to preserve what I need to preserve. And again, I don't necessarily see that per se as in like intentionally evil or malicious you know what i mean like it is a soldier following orders and it might be like and i'm not saying that's a good excuse for anything i'm just kind of saying that like well you understand that or at least they understand in their belief system that there is literally no other way and if we don't take care of the you know if we don't uh prune because they don't kill they prune and he says this if we don't prune this one kid then all these like what 5,000 people are going to die. And so, you know, they, it's been referenced multiple times, but it's the, the train cart from the good place, right? Like, do you take out one person to save five or do you take out five to save one? Like, which, which is it? There's no right choice. You know what I mean? There's yeah. no righteous move here <laughs> from that situation. I, I feel just- like when he, when he learns it's Renslayer though, is when he's like, Oh, I got to think of a third way to me. It's Sylvie. It's so it's a conversation with Sylvie when she said like he's talking about, you know, destroying everything. She's like, I have lived through apocalypses. I've lived like I, I, I've seen enough to know that sometimes you just have to destroy everything. And the problem that Sylvie has with or the problem that Sylvie represents is not recognizing the why. Why is it OK to let everything just burn? Why do we just destroy everything? And of course, the answer is what Loki gives. It's the if. If there's a chance that something can grow better in its place, because if we're just lashing out and spewing, you know, fire and destruction everywhere for the sake of our, like, we're, we're bitter and angry that things aren't going the way that we want it to, then we're not really doing anything. We're not building anything. It's just destruction, which there's feelings to that, right? There's, there's a morally righteous anger that kind of fuels that that massive amounts of like desire for to, to see everything burn, right? Like it's like this is this is all broken, it's all wrong, it's all oppressive, there's injustice, there's all this stuff, just it all needs to be burned down. It's like, okay, if 
And that's the thing. That's where Loki steps in. And that's like the moment where it all clicks for him. The if we can, if and not even we can, but if there's a chance that we can make something better in its place. And that's where that's the piece that Sylvie lacks. Right. And so it's, I don't know. I, I think there's a, I think it was the, the, the combination of both of those. I mean, and, and with he who remains like those three conversations is really what formulates ultimately what Loki realizes he needs to do. And they've kind of, they've been leading up to it for the entire season. They've been having all these conversations about like, which, which way is right. And can we build something new and better to keep these timelines and the Loki realizes this is the only way. Yeah. It has to be me. And it was, it was a gamble because even with destroying, it is a gamble from a lot of different ways because even with destroying the time loon, what do we see? The timelines start to die. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, it's very possible that the end of all existence is right. Like he's risking all of existence to save it uh, and is able to do so in a very beautiful way. We get some, some beautiful rebirth. It is, it is Ragnarok. It is it is death and rebirth uh, with Loki at the center. That is that is Ragnarok, and that is how this series, in all of its crazy high sci fi quantum yada yada yada, and all of this like fantasy cosmic, you know, mythos, come together in this very weird, very strange series that has been Loki season one and Loki season two. I'm hoping that we get a season three. Um, we're certainly set up for it with kind of a tease of Renslayer, although I have a feeling that's going to play more into Kang, the, you know, Kang dynasty. Um, Miss Minutes, is she going to kill us all? That's kind of a big question mark. Uh, why would we even bring her back instead of just making something new? I, I, I don't know, because we're the TVA. There's lots of different, you know, you can have that, you know, um, thing that is in your house that you talk to to yeah, ask no, questions to i'm just going to start calling that thing miss minutes from now on and that whenever i'm referring to it because that way she's not listening although she's probably yes. listening. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so that's the big question is miss minutes is she going to come back as a villain there's also uh the question of the judges the brad of it all like what yeah. was the deal with the judge and brad like that that was that just a that bad was weird time? I don't know if they just like had a whole story that they just cut out and we're like, eh. you know what I want? I don't want a season three. I want a prequel. I want to know like the, I want to know all these people, their origins. I want to know. Cause I had, a, you know, we had all these questions about the TVA's founding that we didn't get answered. And I'm like, I would just like, but we did though. Did we, we? just enough to piece things together as sort opposed of. to giving us the full story. Cause we saw in this series, we saw a potential origin for the TVA in Loki creating the TVA, right? But then we also saw another potential origin for the TVA, which is he who remains creating the TVA with Renslayer. So or is it Victor Timely these... and Obi that created the TVA? Then that's a theory as well. My point is this, though. like we've, given, we've been given just enough information to draw our own conclusions. And I don't want that. I want see, the answers. This is, okay, this is the thing. This is oh, this is why I love this series so much. It's not just sci-fi and it's not just cosmic fantasy. It's also religion. Like like it's all of these things baked into one. And so the way in which they lace out all of this little information here and there, it's kind of just enough to draw your own conclusions with everything that's kind of brought together. And so much of this is symbolic. And so much of what you think is hard fact ends up being kind of narrative poetry. And vice versa. And it's all kind of mixed into one. So is the case with the origin story for the TVA. They don't know, like even today, the variants don't still know the true origins of the TVA. They have enough information to kind of, as much as we do, which is like, okay, there was a war and this happened, this happened, this guy's been doing the thing, he's pulling the strings and you know, our, our gods were just robots and all that kind of stuff. But beyond that, I don't think we need to know. I actually like the fact that it's all speculation and it can continue to be speculation. And to some extent, a choose your own adventure of what you, where, where you think, how you think everything came together, but they gave you enough. I feel like they gave you enough that for those that choose to see it and who are open to it, then you can kind of see how it all came together. Kind of. The pieces are there. 
I, I think it's great. I think it's beautiful. I want to know more about Brad. Are we going to, we're going to see Brad again, right? Zania? So this is my thing. I don't want to know more about Brad. I thought Brad was a waste of a character. I did not get the purpose of him. And by the end of it, I was like, was he just there? Cause we got a lot of different characters that were introduced to kind of throw us off. Right. Like, I feel like maybe yeah. um, the judge that kind of went crazy and blew up a bunch of stuff. Like, I feel like she was meant to be a bait and switch on kind of a, a Sylvie variant, which a lot of us, you know, took that bait. I feel like the, the McDonald's worker was supposed to be there to be a bait and switch on a Mobius variant. Right. So Brad probably existed in some form or fashion to give us some sort of bait and switch. Not exactly sure what the intention was, but there was, you know, maybe it was just to draw our attention away from something else. I'm really looking forward to doing a full binge of this series now, like back to back to back. I have a feeling we're going to find things we completely missed the first time around. Yeah, I did actually binge season two yesterday. I started the whole season. At, yeah, I started at four o'clock and I just watched it all. Wow. I was trying to trying to pick up on breadcrumbs. Um, the only thing I got was in the uh, in the credits. It, there were spoilers if you knew what happened later, but right. that's it. Yeah, yeah. It always, there's always there's that's that's yeah. You and attention. I picked up. I did pick up on a Swift watch, which we can discuss. I can't believe we're gonna do this. But I feel like we have to Taylor watch. It's me. Hi. No! Yeah, so in my rewatch of season two yesterday, I watched the entire thing. I found another Taylor Swift reference. You know, they're always running down hallways. It's just constantly happening. And in at least one of the scenes, they're running down a hall. And the number on the wall is 22. And I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22 is what Taylor Swift did write in her album, Red. Wait, what What did she write? 22, the song 22. I don't know about so, you, but I'm feeling 22. So, <laughs> you don't know the song? On, on, so our Taylor watch, our grand finale Taylor watch <laughs> of what has been the most celebrated epic segment of a podcast ever, Taylor watch. Included in Loki, Loki TV talk, nothing to do with Taylor Swift. And so the, the connection that you're making is that they were running down a hall and on the hall was the number 22 and she had a song or a lyric, a song. The song song. is called 22. A song It was called 22. It's a big song called 22. Yes. It's a number. Yes. It's two, two. Yeah. They you know what? I feel like, see what you just did is you, you're like Loki right now. You grabbed these like, you know, little Taylor connections and you're sitting in your chair and you're <laughs> forcing, you're like straining to pull them together. That's maybe Taylor watch was really a metaphor for how this series would end. I mean, Taylor Swift is like, she's really big into Easter eggs. So she makes her super fans like really diligent and finding the craziest <laughs> connections. She makes you all conspiracy theorists. Honestly, though, um, and yeah, so I'm just applying that to this series. Uh, terrible. <laughs> terrible. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, that's that's our, our final Taylor watch. Hope you enjoyed that. Uh, 22. It's a big song. It's a big stretch is what it is. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but appropriate, all things considered. Uh, listen, that is going to do it for us for this series. Uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, talking about it. It's been a good excuse for us to get together on a weekly basis and uh, and hang out for a bit. We want to encourage you, if you've not done so already, follow at Crew of Loki on Instagram. Uh, we will be posting out some videos from our antics uh, from uh, previous Mardi Gras, and we're getting excited for the upcoming Mardi Gras as well. Uh, we may change this podcast to a monthly podcast and uh and drop kind of like some updates if you want to kind of go behind the scenes for what's going on with the uh the the crew of loki uh support us come down to new orleans for chewbacca's and you might even see us marching along uh actually if you come down for chewbacca's you'll definitely see us marching along because we'll be there marching along we may even have the god king loki himself andrew who knows who knows who knows i'm just saying if you see us marching Make sure you shout us out, Loki TV yeah. Talk. We'll make sure you get some really good swag. Oh, Lorraine. Yes, 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 yes. Anybody that we hear yell Loki TV Talk during Chewbacca's, when you see us, 
we will get we will make we've got we've got some good we got some good stuff this year too. You'll get so it. Be, you'll get it all. You'll get we will give you everything. We'll give you all the bookmarks. We'll give you if we well, depending on where you are in the parade. If you're still if you're in the if you're at the end of the parade, we can't guarantee it. But if you're mid midway early on, it all our best stuff, you're gonna get it. Yep. It'll be fun. Well, thank y'all so much for tuning in. If you'd like to send us your thoughts and uh otherwise be sure to just email the show, show at Loki TV Talk. We'll probably maintain control of the TV Talk FM uh, Twitter handle for a little while longer to also uh, show showcase some things, promote some things. If you're enjoying the Loki Theory videos, those are uh, those have all been on the TV Talk YouTube channel. Uh, you can check that out uh, in the link for this episode right here. Uh, be sure to subscribe for this and other good TV Talk goodness. There is, in that regard, there is actually going to be uh, the new Netflix avatar series they just promoted a trailer for that um i'm going to be uh watching that one and really looking forward to talking about that that will be on the main tv talk feed so if you're not subscribed to the tv talk podcast do that i may even be doing that one with uh with my eldest daughter making her uh podcasting debut so that'll be uh that'll be exciting if so fun we tried we tried to do the animated series because she got big into the animated series back in the day and then uh, she got me into it and we really, we watched it together and uh, she was like, a, she's a super fan of it. What, what Star Wars was for me, what Harry Potter was for you, Avatar was for her until she started reading Harry Potter. And now Harry Potter has <laughs> taken that place, but she, uh, she's absolutely like a mega fan. She knows all of the, the, like the sequel series. She reads the books. She knows deep lore behind that kind of stuff. And if she's ready to uh, to be on mic, then we'll uh, which we'll find out soon enough. Uh, we we might be uh, covered that one together. So yeah, check that out. TVTalk.fm uh, is the place to do it. Lorraine, any any final thoughts? Any anything else you want to put out there? You know, I was just really waiting for Sylvie to become Miss Minutes as a person, and you know, we only time will tell if that ever that was, happens. What was that? Your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> that was you know that's. What a great show. So many plot lines that went absolutely nowhere. And yet at the oh end, it's a triumph. How? How did they? Sometimes it really all is about the ending. You stick the landing and it, it and you're done. You done did the thing. Yep. They probably wrote the ending and then they were like, all right, so let's have fun for five episodes. <laughs> <laughs> and they had fun. They did. And it was great. Well, there you go. That's it. Uh, be sure to, again, check us out. Uh, the TVTalk.fm is a place to do it. That's going to do it for us for this season. But until next time. For all time. Always. <laughs>